Welcome to another episode of Metal Mastermind. Your host, Jason Stallworth, and co-founder, co-owner, and co-host of Metal Mastermind, Ken Candelis. And we also have a guest today, our wonderful metal vocal virtuoso coach, Elizabeth Dedeus. Say hello. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> I'm Elizabeth. You can call me Ellie. Nice to nice to be on the pod. Yeah, man. This is great. Uh, we've been looking forward to this, and especially with all of our instructors. And it's great to be able to talk with you today, Elizabeth. Thanks for coming on. <laughs> yeah, my pleasure. Yeah, so this is one uh, of my favorite topics here, by the way, this is some I've, I've been waiting for this because uh, you guys know I, I do a lot of live shows and sing on a regular basis. But um, guys, we're going to get into a lot of meat and potatoes. We're going to talk about things like, you know, when you feel stuck, because that's something I want to talk about when you can't seem to get over that hump, whether it be your range or or just the quality of your natural tone. Uh, and Ellie, you're going to talk a lot about helping folks develop the most important thing when it comes to being not only a vocalist but a musician as well in any genre and that's really developing your own style not worrying about you know this person's style or that person's style and so forth so um uh let's let's get into it um what's i guess what's the most important thing to start out with here what's the most important thing as a vocalist especially when you're just getting started you're a little unsure of yourself but you have the passion to sing and you're singing metal what's what's one of the most important things that you need to do awesome question um so i guess like with anything is to really think about like your foundation and making sure you have a strong foundation to build upon so that foundation would be your vocal technique um, and, you know, just making sure that you are singing properly, um, when your voice is your instrument, you have to take very good care of it. Um, and it's also, you know, it's also like, it's sensitive too. like, uh, especially depending on how stylistic you like to sing, um, singing anything really, um, you want to make sure that you have, um, proper singing technique. And that, that is something that is, you want to like learn with a coach, um, and just kind of getting that proper training in and, um, relearning those healthy habits for your voice. That's like a great place to start. Now, uh, did your, uh, background as a vocalist, cause you did a lot of, uh, actually opera and some gospel and you did a couple different styles and including rock and progressive rock and metal. Uh, how did, how did your development in those different styles kind of contribute to your overall sort of sound? Uh, well, yeah, I, I did grow up singing um, opera and gospel, um, classically trained. And um, I just I just remember like the hours and hours of schooling, <laughs> making sure that I'm singing properly, uh, not being like sure, like unsure of like how to unlearn certain things um, and that was just like the help of like amazing teachers, um, basically teaching me how to like recondition my brain and, um, relearn how to breathe properly and sing properly and making sure that it always like felt good and felt supported and strong. Um, and I really liked class, you know, I still love classical music and I really enjoyed, um, seeing that genre for sure. Um, and then. I just ventured out. And when I, when I like 
you know, got older, I wanted to be in bands and I just got exposed to a lot more music. And it was more so just me being curious and, um, trusting that I know, knew what felt right and felt wrong for my voice and making sure that remained an intuitive process and, um, implementing the, this new style that I was like, really like latching onto in my early twenties. Um, and like, that's how it kind of started. It was very like organic in that way. Wow. Now you mentioned something I really wanted to talk about here. You mentioned bad habits where a lot of things I want to dig deep into, uh, but you mentioned bad habits. Are there some common bad habits that you see with, with many singers that you work with and maybe some of the habits that maybe you struggled with early on, how did you, what were those habits and how did you, how did you tackle that? Hmm. I actually, I don't even like want to say like bad habits because I feel like sometimes that can be up to interpretation. I do think that everybody is different and everyone has a different range. So me singing a note, comfortably in my range can be straining for someone else or vice versa. So it's, it's, uh, not black and white. It's definitely a gray area depending on the situation, which is why I think like having a coach is important because you want to make sure that you are doing the right thing for your voice, like specifically. Um, but I mean, there are like, I would say they're obvious, but you know, maybe not for everybody they're obvious, but like for like screaming, for example, especially with metal vocals, like the growls and stuff, like sometimes the passion is there, the, the aggression is there, but the technique isn't there. And that can be a little bit straining, you know, (laughs) um, learning how to do that properly, uh, can be, um, quite a process. And I feel like having a really strong foundation is how you can like do that, do those kind of like vocal techniques, and then also just do them for years and years and years, you know? Yeah. That's uh, a, that's a very interesting point. Cause yeah, (laughs) I've always seen, uh, like inexperienced metal vocalists kind of come into the, uh, into the foreground, but they approach it with horrible technique and they end up blowing their vocal cords. And I feel like metal is like one of those, like quick one-stop ways of just totally ruining your voice if you don't do it right. So (laughs) I, I, I've even heard some people uh, say it's more akin to something like, uh, like even infant sort of, uh, like guttural type of vocal uh, growls as they're, you know, starting to make their first one. It's like, you have to kind of come back to like almost the roots of when you were born to tap into something like metal. I, I, what, what are your thoughts on how, how people, you know, when they're approaching metal vocals, right? Let's say they are, uh, let's coming from a more uh, melodically inclined background one or not, you know, can you talk to maybe each of those, you know, sort of situations, someone who is more melodically inclined, someone who's not as melodically inclined to how does metal tie into all of that? What 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 brings them together? What do you think? Um, well, to touch back what you're saying about like that, that infant kind of like whale. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's deep. And actually that makes sense because it's like when you're first born, the first thing that you like do is like scream or cry. It's like, I feel like naturally it, we, we wouldn't want to ruin our vocal cords. So whatever you're doing when you first, you know, are born is probably the right way to go, you know, (laughs) like naturally 
it's when you like overthink it. That's when it things can get complicated. Uh, but uh, basically, what you're saying with the different types of growls, there are different techniques, and they all are usually like branched out from like a couple different techniques. So you know, you have like your vocal fry, like that false chord. Um, like the more guttural kind of growl. I feel like those are all, they come from a different foundation and it's like the different styles of growls are just like stemmed from a few um, very like well done premeditated techniques that yeah. you you want to like kind of practice. So it's like the foundation of different types of metal growls. Uh, yeah. So sorry about the airplanes. Do you hear them? Are they picking up on the I screen? I don't hear them, no. Okay, but, uh, that's great. I, was, no, I wasn't sure. <laughs> live next to an airport, guys. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's, it's, this is an organic podcast. You know, uh, you know, it's funny. I met a guy. I had a, you guys know, I play live acoustic solo gigs, which is, is everything but metal. Of course, I sneak in some metal with those. But I had a gig at SeaWorld at the Flinkraft Bar last month. And I met a guy at the bar on break. And uh, we were talking. And he actually was a death metal singer i i can't remember what band but he blew out his voice so it's interesting you mentioned technique and i think i tend to think that if it's hurting your voice it's not a good thing which brings me to this question ellie uh as a metal vocalist a lot of people just want to jump in and sing metal and scream and all that but do you think they should learn how to properly sing using their quote unquote i guess regular voice first before getting into the metal or is it okay to just to dive into the harsher vocals? Um, hmm. I wouldn't dive right into harsher vocals right away. Definitely not like the first thing you want to do. Um, and this is something that I would probably want to try out with like a student where um, mastering how to sing in half voice. So for example, like when, when I would rehearse like every week, sometimes twice a week with um, like previous bands, um, there are days where I come in and be like, Hey, I'm going to be singing in half voice today. Um, I consider that like my vocal rest, uh, especially if there was like a show coming up and I remember I was like bartending at the time too. So always just like up to late and like talking loud over a crowd and stuff. So it was important for me to be in vocal rest, especially if there was like a performance coming up or if I just felt like I was straining a little bit too much that week or something just by talking. And um, so a metal vocal rest, if you will. And um, that is, that basically means don't take it to 10, you know, um, don't even go for the growl at all more. So kind of create like a, a whisper, like placeholder, um, and I think that's like really good if you're rehearsing quite often, preparing for a show to not hit those growls every single time. And then I would say for the day of the show, you know, like your, like your typical things, you want to make sure you're drinking like hot tea. I do not recommend like drinking before going on only because like when you're more loosey goosey, it's really easy to forget some of these like techniques that kind of go hand in hand with a bunch of other things. Um, so it's like, if you ever done like a drunken karaoke and you lose your voice the next day, you know, yeah. as long as you have like a fun time, that's fine. But like, just know that sometimes when you're like, uh, more like loose and stuff, it's really easy to kind of like forget some of these techniques that you've already reconditioned in your rehearsals. Um, but yeah, like, uh, taking vocal rest very seriously. I think that's important. Um, doing more of like a whisper type 
growl um, at like half volume, um, not really hitting those growls every single time you rehearse. And then before that show, um, I feel like the adrenaline really does help, but making sure that, you know, you're all like stretched out, you know, like, you know, just kind of like um, facial exercises um, and warming up that voice uh, in a classical way. Um, and I think you'll be like right in that sweet spot by the time you're ready to actually perform. Wow. Now you talk I, about facial expression too in your course and a real quick plug guys. Uh, Ellie has a course on the metal mastermind website on the platform called metal vocal virtuoso. Great course. I use your you. warmups like every, almost every day, especially before shows. I have a show tonight. I have a solo gig tonight. So awesome. after our podcast, I will be, you know, on my computer going through your vocal <laughs> exercises and awesome. that's something that's helped me tremendously. I love yeah. the metal uh, warm up so much because I really do feel like a lot of it can be like adrenaline, especially when you're singing metal vocals, because Absolutely. if that energy is there, it's so easy to strain. You really have to be like powerful and kind of have that feeling like you are like hovering above those notes when you're growling them to really have full control over them. So anything that can kind of get you into that mood and get you that adrenaline pumping for a big show like that is helpful. So that's why I love those like metal uh, warm ups in my course. Yeah. And I actually have a question about that because you were mentioning about singing in half voice. And when it comes to these metal growls, I've kind of noticed my myself whenever I try and do metal growls, like, or when I'm like singing to a song that I like to listen to, I'm kind of doing that half voice, I think is what it is, or I kind of do whisper growls and I'm like, yeah, you know, and when I do that, I almost am more aware of kind of how the tone is shaping outside of my voice. So does that play into the psychology of like when you go full out and where does that like energy, where is that energy supposed to feel like it's coming from? Is it supposed to be from like your diaphragm? Is that correct? I feel like it should always be from your diaphragm for sure. Okay. Um, and singing in half voice, um, it can be a little bit tricky. Um, without like proper demonstration, I think. Um, I just want to, you know, make sure I say that because I feel like it could be maybe somewhat straining if you're not a hundred percent sure what it feels like to sing in half voice. I also feel like it's different for the type of metal vocal that you're doing. So, um, that really like, uh, I feel like there's like a metal, a uh, metal growl that I hear that sits in your mixed voice. Um, and that one I feel like is one of the safer ones. And I feel like that's something you can probably get away with doing like in a soft whisper where those more like um, big guttural ones that are kind of the foundation of it is more of like a big exhale. It actually makes sense to sing those like properly, a little less stylistically. It really depends, as you can see, like me trying to explain them like it depends on exactly what it is that you're warming up for and how to properly uh compress that so that you're not doing it a hundred percent every single time and they're just tiring yourself out you know uh, especially if you have a few rehearsals leading up to that show oh very you know, as far as style goes do you think that um do you think that some people maybe have just a natural a natural talent per se uh, with specific styles and maybe not so much for other styles. For example, I know when I sing death metal vocals, my 2019 album masterpiece, 
that was really my first time ever really getting into death metal. And I, I liked it. I enjoyed it. But I found that my voice, it was never like I'm yelling or screaming. It was almost like I was holding back. Uh, and there wasn't like a mass projection in the way it sounded. There was more like you're holding back, you're keeping some of that air in and letting that air kind of like you're deflating something little by little. Um, whereas yeah. other people just full on scream. That's never been something that I, I was comfortable with, you know? Right. I think I know what you mean too, like the, the type of growl that you're doing. And I think that's the one that I like that I mean, it, it kind of like, it sits comfortably in your vocal range. Um, and I've just noticed that there are some growls that are a little bit safer than others. Um, and I know what you, what you mean, and I've heard you doing them before. And I think like those, those kind of growls are, are pretty safe to do like on the reg. Um, but it's again, an intuitive process. Like if you feel like you have a big show coming up and a few rehearsals leading up to it, you really have to kind of like, be in tune with like whether you want to hit those growls or if it's like one of those verses where you're like the whole thing is like a scream like there's like a lot of words it's not just like one big long growl um i would take more of like the approach of like wrapping them <laughs> and over pronouncing those vowels and not gotcha. adding that like um that edgy like that rasp to it every single time um, but yeah, it is an intuitive process and something to also like work one-on-one -on -one with someone that like knows your voice, your range and what kind of like technique you're doing. Wow. Yeah. And I've noticed also like growls, people kind of, uh, preconceive growls to be really loud, but most of the time they're actually pretty well controlled. It's yeah. almost to the point where actually it might even be the same volume as speaking voice. Um, I always found that very interesting because I think when people first start out, I think it's important for them to, I guess, not uh, go under the assumption that they have to go so loud that it like, you know, burst people's eardrums. You don't have to do that. Um, yeah, that, it's that's always that wild you, to me. It's funny that you mentioned that it kind of brings up a, a memory that I have uh, when I was like um, teaching at a music school. Um, they would always kind of give me like the the little like the, the rock and roll kids. And I like loved that, you know? <laughs> um, so like, I would have like a student that would come in and be like, Oh yeah, I want to do like MCR. And I'm just like, yes. Um, <laughs> you know, like, I love that, <laughs> that student all the time, um, getting those kind of students, but like they would hop into it and it's like, they're in their bedroom and they're like screaming kind of like, get out of my room. Like they kind of bring that vibe, um, which is, you know, awesome. Like, love that i think that's like you know the right headspace for sure but um one thing i would say like hey gerard way he's very classically trained he has a very strong beautiful foundation but he like is very stylistic with it so we're gonna sing it um more like as if it's a musical theater first we're gonna get that mixed voice and that mixed belt in the proper place and then we're gonna pronounce vowels in certain ways we're going to add some vocal fry here and there we're going to like dress it up and make it stylistic and it will sound exactly what you're going for you that's know a, that's that's a cool point you you mentioned musical theater so what what can we draw as vocalists you know inspiration from this other type of source because musical theater is like in in its own music it's very it's very specific but mm -hmm. I think I think you're drawing from something else from musical theater here. It's more of a performance aspect of 
how you're, you know, sort of using your body to uh, create this kind of energy. Is that, is that correct to, to, to assert? Well, yeah, well, I think musical theater is definitely something to keep in mind quite often. If you are a performing vocalist, especially like with metal vocals, something that's like more intense and can be a little bit more harsh. And if you're doing like a bunch of shows or you just plan on practicing a lot more often and really getting comfortable with your voice, it's good to think about like, uh, you know, people that do perform on Broadway, they will be singing these songs like every day for four months, sometimes twice a day, you know, um, for four months or five months, however long their show like runs for. And they have to make sure that their voice is 100% every single time. Um, so throughout the day, they're making sure that they're doing the correct vocal rest um, and then also how they are singing too. It sounds like they are belting on stage every night, but um they're singing with like um a proper mixed belt uh which is like a very safe place for you to sing in your vocal range um and it's not actually belting and sometimes this is not even that loud you know um and throughout the day they're usually speaking in their mixed voice uh, i don't know if you ever like had like a conversation with somebody um who is on broadway or even if you like see like interviews sometimes with like ariana grande i noticed that she does this too where she kind of talks like a peer you know and she's like more like in this mixed voice like yeah totally hi how's it going and if she's like trained to just speak in that voice um, especially if she's doing a lot of performances because it's like the least damaging for your voice. So like not speaking in your chest voice. Um, and I think that like, it's important to think of musical theater when you are performing a lot, um, because you have that strong foundation and that proper vocal technique, and then you can kind of build on it and add that stylisticness to it. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. awesome. A couple of things there. So, you know, the, the theater aspect of it, you know, and you talk about this in the course, too, is really accentuating the vowels and, you know, having that mouth movement. That's sort of theater as well. And to me, it not only helps you get more into the song and into the music, but it helps you vocally as well to get those notes out. You might pronounce them a little bit, the vowels a little bit different, right, uh, to get it out a certain way. Um, but the other thing, just so our audience understands when you talk about mixed voice and, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, Ellie, but this is a mixture of your chest voice going into what some consider your head voice or some call it falsetto voice is kind of you're not screaming and you're not in some super high range, but it's not quite deep in your chest either. Right. Or is yeah, there a better way to explain it's that? Mix, it's a mix of the two. So, uh where you uh, comfortably sing in your chest voice and you're going through the warm-ups, for example, in the course, um, you can kind of start singing some of the warm-ups pretty comfortably in your chest voice. And as you get higher and higher, you feel like maybe you are, uh, you feel that shift in your vocal register and you kind of want to go into like your head voice. Um, that mixed voice basically comes in before that happens. So trying to figure out where to map that you want to figure out where in those vocal warm-ups you feel like okay this is like as high as i can go in my chest voice and then going back to the beginning and trying to bring in that head voice before you run out of those chest voice notes that and makes sense yeah. yeah yeah so before you even get that like maybe two um 
two warmups beforehand, like two, two keys beforehand, you want to start bringing those like elements of that, like head voice in there so that it's like a very smooth transition. Um, and that is like basically how you find that mixed voice. And that's what it should feel like. Um, because yeah. <laughs> if you wait too late, like if you wait too late in the warm up or in the vocal line, if you wait too late to transition, then you're kind of screwed. Sometimes I've noticed that in my own, yeah. my own vocals, you know. And uh, so, really, the goal uh, I would think is to to get your head voice right to match your chest voice to an extent. So when you transition, it's smooth and you don't really hear the difference. It sounds like you're singing higher with your chest voice, even though you're not. And it I sounds like you're belting like super right, high notes, just like right. they do like on Broadway, which is like what I was trying to connect that with. It's like that proper mixed belt. It sounds like you're just like belting out or screaming out these like really high notes, but yeah. you've just done a really good job creating a smooth transition to get up there. Um, so yeah, that's, it's like the secret. <laughs> well, I'm thinking 80s metal. When I think about that, I'm, I'm thinking about like, you know, the Sebastian Box of the world, Skid Row, David Coverdale with White Snake. I um, mean, even Ooh. bands like uh, like the Fine Young Cannibals, that old song, She Drives Me Crazy. I think he's in falsetto the whole time. You can tell several bands of the outfield where they have these super high voices. But I think they're actually singing in their mixed voice. They, like you said, they've learned to transition smoothly. So it sounds like that's their chest voice. Yeah, exactly. So you know, it, it makes it makes sense too, and it's nice and loud too. They're not singing softly. Right. Um, it sounds like they're really belting those super high notes. Um, and I also wanted to like mention you were talking about like over pronouncing the vowels. Um, I wanted to say how important that is to um, creating like those long vowels. That's something that you learn um, in classical training to sing nice long open vowels. Um, and the best way that I can like. I guess like visualize it so that it kind of like makes sense every time for me at least is that vocalists they don't see words as text they see it as shapes you know so when you're singing you're not seeing words and how it's spelled you want to create the most biggest open comfortable like shape with your mouth as you can uh, which means warping those words sometimes so that they come out nice and full and supported and not like strained. Gotcha. You know, I want to add one uh, uh, some element here to this conversation, which I think is important for people who are trying to start with metal vocals, which metal vocals gets a, a reputation for the extremes. So, for example, the super high vocals that are just like soaring over everything. And it's like unrealistic for most people to hit. And then there's like the super, super low, like down under guttural type of vocals, which are very hard to do as well for many people. Um, I've, I've seen in, you know, even in our community or outside of our community, just in general with the metal uh, musicians of the world, they many times feel a little bit, demotivated about that because they feel like they're not able to hit those ranges. So they feel like, Oh, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. Do you, do you have any sort of advice for somebody who feels like maybe they feel like they have like this limited range, but they want to like achieve metal vocals in their music? Like, do you have any, some sort of advice for them? I do have advice for them. Embrace your range. Um, mm. Figure out what your range is. Um, and 
working on expanding your range. I think that's a great thing too, but um, where you live in your comfortable range is where you can kind of do the most, the most tricks as I, I like to say. Um, you can do the more riffs, you can do more stylistic singing because it's a, a comfortable area in your range. And it's important to um, get to know that and also embrace it and, and, you know, find vocalists that also sing in that range and start off by covering those songs. And if you want to do Amy Lee, you know, bring it down. You know, I, Amy Lee is not my key, um, but I want to sing it sometimes. I just, I transpose it. I bring it down a couple keys or I'll do a lower harmony for it. And I live my best life and I sing some Amy Lee songs. Um, you know, you got to find that vocalist and that, you know, you're find that, a person to look up to that metal vocalist that you love that also sings in your range and cover some of those songs and, and build that confidence and really embrace that, that range that you naturally have. I yeah. like that. Cause I like, I do cover songs uh, again. I've got, I do two, three, sometimes four live solo gigs and I'm singing in eighties covers during those gigs. And I like, I don't have the range any of those guys and some of the girls, cause I do some stuff by heart as well. And then other girls, uh, you know, I, but I don't have that range and, you know, I'll be honest, Ellie, I get discouraged with that sometimes, like even people like, uh, Don Henley and Brian Adams and several others, the cutting crew, you know, they had these higher ranges, but I I'm destroying my voice if I try to hit that. So I transpose a song that may be in the key of D all the way down to a, and it's not that I can't sing the song and maybe C, but there's a highest part of the song I'll try to figure out what that high, usually it's in the bridge too. It's just that one time they get way up there. So I'm like, okay, uh, I can either transpose it to a key to where I can hit that highest part comfortably, or maybe just don't maybe go a key higher and don't sing that highest part. But it is discouraging. I'll be honest. I get discouraged sometimes. It's like, okay, why, why wasn't I gifted with this super high range? <laughs> like I want, you know, and but you just to do with, with some students, I have like a couple students that are, you know, they, they may have like, um, I don't want to say smaller ranges or anything like that. Like I have some yeah. students that are, are strong altos or strong sopranos. And, um, I have this one student, like we'll find all these songs and he always wants to sing like, you know, a lot of uh, top hit hit songs and sometimes they are a lot higher and we'll just like create like lower harmonies to them that also okay. work as main melodies. Like we'll create like a beautiful new melody um, that could harmonize with the song and it comes out really nice. And I feel like that helps with the confidence too. Cause it's like, look at me singing the song in a beautiful way and in a unique way. And if right. you sing along with the radio, it creates a beautiful harmony. So, well, you know, it's, well it's always fun to create a lower harmony and it also keeps you like, it doesn't like restrict you to having to transpose. You can sing in an original key, okay. but kind of like make your own variation. And another good um, like thing with doing that is that like, if I want to like listen to like a certain song, like let's say like I was talking about Evanescence. If I want to listen to listen to an Evanescence song, I listen to Evanescence. But if I want to like hear Elizabeth singing a cover of Evanescence, then like, you know, what is she going to bring to the table? How is she going to make it her own? And that's just like a really strong way to do it, you know, to create it in a way that works best in your range. And it can sound like different and new and fresh. And, you know, you could feel a lot more confident singing it and add all your like little tricks to it, too, because it's like really comfortable in your range. Yeah, because we we actually have this conversation several times on the podcast, which is uh, 
originality, right? Coming from mm-hmm. a uh, background where you have so many influences, and we we see this a lot with artists in their early stages, right? Where it's uh, quite a bit of a, a more of a mimicking type of approach, right? We try to emulate what our idols are doing, and that's where I feel like uh, some people where they discover, oh, I love you know Jeff Scott Soto, but I can't sing like Jeff Scott Soto. Jeff Scott Soto has a very different range he's a different style than how i can portray with my own voice but i appreciate what i'm gaining from listening to somebody who uh, sings that way so i find it uh kind of tricky because it i think you need a wealth of inspiration from different artists to sort of hone in on what is it the style that you can kind of really uh, sort of attract yourself to and then mm-hmm. In your in your experience, how are you able to take those styles and then sort of shape them into something that you would call your own? Because that I feel like sometimes is the most tricky part of becoming your own original musician. Yeah, it's like you're kind of creating a hybrid of everything you love and that makes you the musician that you are. And that will be like the formula of your own like originality like your own musical persona um i feel like it could sometimes be like um like people can like overthink it a little bit too much like who am i who am i going to be on stage and it's like you already know the answer and it it should feel like uh i feel like it should be more like intuitive and and just know like i know i love this because of this reason. And it's not like, Oh, I love this because this is what I'm trying to be. And I know this is like what everybody wants to hear. Like, Mm -hmm. no, figure out what you like, what you've always liked, you know, like what music did you listen to? Like in high school and college that really spoke to you. That is like the, the foundation of figuring out who you are um, on stage and and the kind of music that you like to compose and cover and sing. Um, so I think that's like the best way to really go about that. Yeah. I I've noticed, uh, you know, I play in a hard rock metal band called four trips ahead and my, my vocalist, Peter, he has a tendency to do things like uh, James Hetfield in a way he goes like, yeah, you know, he has that, you know, element to him, but I, I, I hear what you're saying, which is just like, you know, that's kind of the part of the music that he grew up with. So it's a part, it's innate in him. Right. Uh, same thing, you know, with me with drums, like I have certain, you know, stylistic rhythmic patterns with like certain fills that derive from someone like Mike Portnoy, who was a big inspiration for me. Right. So I it's, think, it's, yeah, you said that to me too. Cause I grew up with like a lot of like musical theater and, and, you know, um, more like classical training. And now I compose progressive metal, um, and sometimes I'll show you, uh, Ken, sometimes I'll show you some of my music and you'd be like, oh, it sounds very Moulin Rouge. And I'm like, yeah, cause in eighth grade, I was all about Moulin Rouge. So that makes sense. <laughs> That's where that stems from. So yeah, it's all just like a hybrid of like what really spoke to you growing up or what kind of music you gravitate towards. I totally get that. And it's good to have that mixture and, and accept that about yourself, about your influences 
you know, there have been times in my early years where I'm like, well, if it's not metal, I don't want to listen to it. But the <laughs> truth be told is I grew up in the 80s, so I loved 80s pop. That's what I was listening to as a kid before I even really knew what music was. So, yeah, I'm listening to Metallica and Joe Satriani, my two greatest influences back then, Guns N' Roses, uh, Scorpions and all that. But I also liked Prince and Madonna and oh, all yeah. the other, you know, the Euro 80s, the Pet Shop Boys, you know, Duran Duran. So I think you take those elements, even if you're playing metal and writing metal music, some of those elements kind of seep into developing your own style, which is really what this is all about. Right, Ellie? I mean, yeah, just think about how many genres of metal there are. How do you think they came to be? They're just hybrids of everything. You know, it's not just metal. There's a lot of different types of metal. (laughs) So many. Yeah, so many. Yeah. Yeah. Now we live in a with uh so now we live in a world where there's so many subgenres it's almost like you you turn one corner and there's a subgenre to a subgenre to another subgenre <laughs> do you think eventually everything will join into one and they'll just be like one genre to pull them then- all and then what would we'll that be ju- called? They'll be called Amazon. <laughs> I don't think so. No, I like I, I kind of appreciate. Yeah, I appreciate the genres though. Now, in a grow up, growing up in my era, you did have far less subgenres, and because and not saying it was better back then, I'm I'm not going to be one of those old guys like, well, they don't make them like they used to because that's that's just a, a really dumb mindset to have because uh, there's so much out there that's great. But back back in the day, people would listen to the heavy metal, but they'd listen to classic rock. They'd also listen to some of the pop. Uh, and it was kind of like music was just music. If you're if you're a rock and roller, then you kind of listen to all of those subgenres, if you will, which again weren't very many. Now today, you've got so many subgenres that are so different from one another. So yeah. I kind of appreciate that, you know, that, you know, like I'm not a big fan of new metal, for example, but I'm so glad that it exists because so many people are a fan of that. Right. Yeah. Uh, and it exists because of those like genres yeah. that started it all, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. so that's how these hybrids are created. They all like stem from something. So like back in the day when it was just metal or it was just rock or just pop, you know, that's where it all boils down to. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Oh, absolutely. And I feel like at the end of the day, it, uh, you know, we're, we're talking about all these different types of genres, but also, you know, marrying all these influences together uh, is a beautiful thing. And, and you have to kind of pay attention to that, your roots uh, in, in, in all of this, because I, I noticed even just outside of just metal and music, uh, I actually came back to my own roots uh, after circling around and exploring certain parts of myself uh, after several years, I remember like when I was a kid in sixth grade, like I was, I was writing stories and, you know, creating my own worlds uh, in sixth grade. And then I eventually got into uh, much more technical, uh, a much more technical side of myself, but I ended up, you know, taking that technical side and coming back to my artistic self. So uh, this is important to sort of draw, you know, from because you know you have all these different types of influences that you'll come across over the years. But yeah, you know, and that's things- always something I really related with you is that you you organically kind of created this genre based on the things that you love that you've always loved even exactly. as a kid. And that was something that we always like talked about and had conversations about, like our music and stuff. Um, so yeah, totally. I think yeah. that you have a very firm understanding of like your musical persona in that way because of that. 
Yeah, it's and I think it's just a journey for uh for most musicians. It's not something that you'll immediately find when you first start out. You're gonna have to take that long road and it'll have to circle around to all these different types of like, you know, you're kind of like window shopping. You're like, oh, this is you looks, have to really get cool. to know this yourself. Cool. <laughs> yeah. And and you know, originality comes with time. It doesn't come right off the bat. Yeah. So for 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 anyone who's listening who feels like they're still kind of stuck and they haven't felt like that kind of growth. You just have to give it some more time. Um, give it some time, you know, really sit down and, and, you know, make it an intuitive process for yourself. Make it a delightful experience for yourself. You know, it's, it's your you time. And listen to your body. <laughs> listen to your body. Yeah. And your coaches. And this all goes <laughs> back to finding your own voice. And, and I think a big part of that too is accepting your own voice. Again, I've, I've personally struggled with this for a long time. I had never considered myself a natural singer. I'm not, I, I wasn't gifted with this super high range, you know, early on, but I think you also have to accept where you're at and develop your own unique style around that. Um, would you say, Ellie, that is, is there, because <laughs> we always like to say there are no limitations, do whatever you want in this world. You can fly to the moon and, and all this stuff. And, and I, I'm a firm believer in that, but also believe maybe there are some limitations that maybe it's not even about accepting those limitations, such as range. You're only going to go so high. Uh, but maybe it's about utilizing that in, in another way so you can form your own style. Do you, do you think there are limitations uh, and do you think that we should, you know, I guess, assess those, but not be defeated by those and, and allow ourselves to come up with our own style as opposed to being obsessed with getting to this level over here? Does that make sense? It does make sense. Um, and I think that's uh, it's it's not it's like a deeper question than you think. Cause it's like, it's really just like seeing the glass half full versus seeing it half empty and um, having the mentality of no limitations is a, is a great place to start. You know, like the sky is the limit. That's like the headspace you want going into it. Um, but then like seeing those limitations as more like the borders within the range that you are teaching yourself how to really embrace and get to know, you know, don't see it as like, Oh, I'm a failure. I can't sing these high notes. I can't sing in this way. It's more so figuring out the way that you can sing and trying to build on that and seeing how far that can go, you know, really get to know like the best aspects of your voice. Cause it's yours and it's original to you. Um, so a good place to start with that would just be finding those few covers, your go-tos, the ones that you could always nail, that you feel like you're very comfortable seeing them. Start with those, sing them a couple times, and then just try to figure out why. Like, why is the song, like, why does it work for me so well? What, is, what kind of vocal techniques? What is the range? What are the notes? Figuring them out on the piano. What is the range here? Um, start with that and then build upon that. Um, and don't worry too much about uh, the range that you want to hit someday that you can't right now, because expanding your range is something that you can get to for sure. Um, but it's important to embrace what you do have and like find that sweet spot first and work from, from, from that. You know, I want to add to this because I, I almost look at limitations actually as a really good thing because limitations, what they do is they give you direction. They tell you, they, do. Yeah. they tell you, okay, this is a certain point where 
you need to now utilize that boundary as a creative tool to catapult in this direction. Because like I, I, you know, I'm an audio guy, right? So let's take it to audio for a second. When you mix on 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 a 24 channel console, like those are the only 24 channels you have, and you have only the tools amongst those knobs and buttons that you can use. You got to get creative right? with those buses, and yeah, I got to figure out like exactly utilize these 24 channels the best way that I can. Absolutely, exactly. and uh, growing up, like you know, as a uh, seeing opera and really embracing like my alto range. Um, I had this one teacher that said, you know, sopranos, they're pink, but altos are purple, you know, two beautiful colors. One's a little deeper, you know, you really got to embrace that purple. That, that's a beautiful <laughs> way to put it. That's what I did. And now I'm just like, yeah, I'm an alto and I'm proud of yeah. it, you know? <laughs> yeah. And for those of you listening also who who feel like they're stuck at a certain point in their vocal development, I mean, Metal Mastermind, we offer uh, coaching here. And Elizabeth is actually a Metal Mastermind coach that you can yeah. hire if you want to get direction in your vocal training, in addition to having Metal Vocal Virtuoso. So it's Absolutely. something I want to put out there because, yes, it, it's super important, uh, you know, to have that direction. And when you find that limitation of yourself, that's where you can use guidance to take you further. Also, yes. something else, something else, like tr sometimes trying to figure out this musical persona, it's uh, it is a personal journey. And sometimes it could be a little lonely, too. And, and having that like person to bounce off those ideas and have those deep conversations and have someone to prompt you on questions to help you figure out, you know, what your musical persona is, that can be really helpful, too. So we can have those deep conversations, you know. I want to help you on that journey as best as I can. <laughs> we appreciate that. It, this has been just like a, a hefty or heavy, no pun intended. Well, the pun's always intended. A heavy dose of wisdom, guys. Uh, I mean, I, I love what you said, Ken and, and Ellie, what you elaborate on here about knowing where those limitations are, but not seeing them as failures and using them instead to to go that direction that you're supposed to be going because i think we all have this natural gravitation and sometimes we can look at these perceived limitations and they can they can knock us off the course and you can be so frustrated uh by being obsessed trying to chase something whether it be a style of guitar playing a specific style or, or notes that you can't quite sing or whatever the case may be but working with what you have and individualizing that and making that your own voice. Cause at the end of the day, Ken, what do we always say? Create your own sound and create your own style. Don't try to chase someone else's cause you have your own unique ability within you. No one else can replicate you. No one, Ellie, no one can replicate your voice. You have a unique voice, a beautiful voice. Ken, you, you too, have Jason. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Ken has beautiful growls. You know, and you got cool on here that I don't have, but um, <laughs> we're all beautiful. Exactly, exactly. So <laughs> embrace that about yourself. Work at things, right, Ellie? Yeah. Like you said, you can work on your range and that sort of thing. That's fine. We should always be progressing to be better, maybe faster. If you're a drummer, a guitar player, maybe singing a little bit higher. Uh, especially, I love what we talked about early. You know, getting into that mixed voice and and that's a technique that's developed. You know, developing a really awesome technique and it takes work, right? Don't just assume that you can just, okay, well, I, I can't get to this level, but then you're not working at it. You're not practicing, right? Yeah. It's I, totally great to challenge yourself, but it's, yeah. it's, I think, um, in the beginning, 
the, the strong foundation is embracing what you are good at and what, like where you are, um, like your natural range, like where that is you're finding like your originality and your voice, finding that comfortable range, really embracing that and getting to know that. And then challenging yourself. I think that's all part of it too. And trying to like, you know, um, seek those where, where those limitations are and see if you could push that boundary. I think that's all great too, but it shouldn't be like a point of a failure. It shouldn't be like looked at in that way at all. More so like a goal um, that you can get to once you really have a firm understanding of what your range is and who your musical persona is and all of that as a guitar player too, as a drummer, just like anything really. And I want to add to that real quick too. Uh, you know, we encourage all of you listening uh, right now to write your own music. That's, you know, big part of why we're here as you're writing your own music. You know, a lot of times if you're in standard tuning, for example, you have a tendency just to play an E minor all the time. But you may find that your range better fits a different key, like a, a key that I sing a lot in is, is C sharp minor, B minor, F sharp minor. Those keys work really well for me. So I want to challenge you guys to experiment with different keys as well to match your natural vocal ability and go that route with it as opposed to trying to make your vocals fit what you're playing. I think that's a good tactic uh, to use from time to time. Great words. Well, Ellie, is there anything else that you'd like to share uh, with our audience, with your audience today? You, you've been awesome. This is like such great wisdom, and uh, we really enjoyed having you. We're going to have Ellie on more, by the way. Is there anything else Yay. you'd like to share? Uh, I would love to be on the pod more. This is awesome. Um, yes. um, I think that the real juice is in our one-on-one -on -one coaching sessions. I feel like that is where I can really connect with a student um, and... I'm, I'm glad to hear the positive feedback on the course and I would love to get to know you all and, and talk with you and, you know, just have like a one-on-one -on -one and see how you've benefited from the course, maybe things that you have trouble with and, or if you just want to like bounce off ideas or talk about more about like that musical persona and how to like figure out that journey for yourself. Um, yeah, that's like where you could really find me and and utilize the most of like my teachings is like in those co uh, those coaching sessions. Awesome, awesome. Well, Ken and I both thank you so much for being a part of Metal Mastermind. I mean, you're this is a big family, and all of you guys listening right now, you're, you're family to us. You know, we are this metal rock and metal community. We appreciate you all. And uh, head over to metalmastermind.com, guys. You'll see our courses. You'll see also. Our, our, our one on ones. Ellie gives an excellent one on one session. We've, and again, we've gotten so much great feedback from your one on ones and your course Thank as you. well. This helps so many people. So, guys, head over to metalmastermind.com. Check that out. And until the next time, as always, create your own sound. <laughs>